Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. There is a passage in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Beginning at verse 26, reading down to verse 38, we find these words. And I'm reading in the King James Version of the Scriptures. And in the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. I want to preach... uh, this morning from this passage in its larger context in the Gospel of Luke. The subject is, what makes Mary so special? The Gospel of Luke is the first volume of a two-volume work which narrates how Christianity evolves from the cradle of Judaism into a world religion. Essentially, what Luke Acts reveals is how what happens with a pious priest named Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth evolves and ends with Paul 
being under house arrest in the city of Rome. In the Gospel of Luke, two very long, extensive chapters are given to or accorded to the narration of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And when you consider Luke's purpose to show how Christianity evolved, when you understand this emphasis, this commitment to the nativity narrative in the context of his larger focus in his two-volume work, you have to believe that it's significant what he shares. So today we will be preaching about Mary's prayer of acceptance. And when we look at it, I believe as the Spirit directs us, we'll see in the prayer and we'll see in its larger context the answers to the question, what makes Mary so special? You know, Luke's account of the nativity or the birth of the Christ child is colorful and compelling. Uh, we learn much from the characters that pose and parade through these chapters. From Zacharias and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist, we learn that God is faithful and he will honor patient faith. From the shepherds in the field, we learn that we can experience the extraordinary, the extraordinary in the midst of the ordinary. From the angelic host, we learn that the birth of the Christ child is an event worthy of worship. Whatever else we do during this season, we ought to pause and worship God. Uh, the angelic host remind us that earth has no monopoly on worship. That one of the things that happens in glory, the angelic host, praise God, on the day Jesus was born, the elderly Simeon and Anna teach us that an expectant faith will not be frustrated. We can learn from King Herod because from him, when we read this story, we learn that God is always one step ahead of his enemies, and God will take care of us. None of these characters, though, are as compelling, I believe, as Mary, the focus of our text, the virgin mother of Jesus Christ. She holds an honor among women of the New Testament. In Luke's account of the narrative of Jesus' birth, Mary is at center stage. In Matthew's account, Joseph has more of a focus. But in Luke's account, Mary is at center stage, and I believe the text begs the question, what's special about Mary? I feel like Dr. Warren Wiersbe, who says that we make two mistakes when we consider Mary. On one extreme, there's people who magnify her too much and magnify her to the point that even Jesus is given a second place to Mary. On the other hand, there are those who do not esteem her highly enough. And I'm hoping today that in this text, we can find the middle ground. We can find some balance because there is something special about Mary. What was so special about Mary? First of all, the text suggests that she was favored. 
Twice in this passage, we see the word favor. Mary is a model of grace, not the mother of grace. Because the inference in this text, the inference is not so much that Mary found favor with God. We, we miss it in translation. The inference is that favor found Mary. It's the same focus in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Uh, when this son of Saul named Mephibosheth is hiding out. He's worried about being exterminated because David has assumed the throne. And back he was in Lodabar. And he looked up one day and grace and mercy found him there. Because David had asked the question of his advisors. He said, is there anyone else left of the house of Saul that I can show favor to? What makes Mary so special is she was favored. It's the same thing that makes us special. It ain't the color of our skin. It's not where we live. It's not what high school we graduated from. It's not what we drive. It's not our credit. What makes us so special is favor found us. In fact, Mary's experience of God's favor occurs in an overarching arena of favor, the angel Gabriel came to Galilee. He did not come to Judea. He came to an obscure, despised village called Nazareth. So obscure and despised that one of Jesus' disciples asked the question, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He did not go to the city of Jerusalem. He did not go to the temple. Gabriel came to Mary's house. God has the right to show favor to whoever he wants to. If it was left up to us, a lot of people who have favor wouldn't get it. But God looks not on the outside. He looks on the heart. And this favor focus is significant to Luke. He ends chapter 2 with it when he describes Jesus' growth and development into a man. He said he grew. He says he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So many of us, and sometimes I think it's of epidemic proportions during this time of the year, spend an inordinate amount of time trying to call or cultivate favor from other people. Sometimes exchanging a gift is just a favor exchange. This text would suggest the most important thing to experience is favor from God. Mary was special because she was favored. She was also special because she was fertile. Now, this is a part of the text that if we're not careful, the obvious will elude us. Mary was not only favored but she was fertile. God knew she was fertile. Because if she wasn't fertile, the whole annunciation, the whole exchange with Gabriel would have been for naught. Quite simply, Mary was capable of conceiving a child given the right circumstances. She was not barren. She was not sterile. She was fertile. Her womb, her, her 
her womb operated and overladen with possibility. The power and glory of God would come upon her and overshadow her and she would conceive in her womb the holy child Jesus. There's a brilliant um, professor of theology at Boston University. His name is Peter Kreeft. And I have um, come to listen to him a lot. And I love, I love how he approaches the whole notion of sexual symbolism in the word of God. He talks about how in Genesis it is apparent that God designed sex. And God said sex is good. So good that he told the first pair, he told Adam and Eve, he said, be fruitful and multiply. Now, that doesn't mean grow oranges and calculate multiplication tables. Mary was favored, but she was also fertile. In the Bible, fertility is a metaphor for openness, for receptivity for availability, for responsiveness to God. And it's applied not just to women, it's applied to men. See, Kreef, and I love this about him, he says there's a stronger case for the feminist who wants to rewrite the Bible. He says there's a stronger case in the word of God for female chauvinism than male chauvinism. Why? Because God essentially asked a man to become like a woman and receive him. Peter had this in mind when he wrote, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. What is salvation other than God impregnating us? God impregnating us with the word of his power. Mary was special. Because she was fertile. And this is what I'm saying to us, especially during this season, we need to remember God wants to reproduce God's self in us. He wants to impregnate us with possibility. He wants to impregnate us with potential. He wants to impregnate us with himself. And Mary was special because given the right circumstances, God knew she would conceive. Does he know that about you? Does he know that about me? Given the right circumstances, he has a plan and purpose for your life. If he gives it to you, will you conceive? She was fertile. She was also fluent. I struggle with this next movement of the text. She was fluent. Fluency has to do with speaking and talking Easily, But when you think about it, the ability to be fluent in conversation is predicated on having adequate comprehension and understanding. You don't understand what you're talking about. Ain't no way you can be fluent. When she is first confronted by the angel Gabriel, the Bible says of Mary, she was troubled at his saying. And this is the key I want you to see in the text. And you underline it. It says, and cast in her mind. Cast in her mind. What manner of salutation this would be. This part of the text reminds us that Mary was not just reverent, 
reverent in the face of the holy, but she was also reflective. While Mary may have not known all the answers, she did know the questions they asked. And she is not depicted in this text, and this is what I want us to see, she's not depicted as fragile or foolish. What makes her so special is that she was fluent, confronted with the spectacular, she was not speechless. Every day we are confronted with the spectacular and we're speechless. When the word of God says the redeemed ought to say so. Confronted with the spectacular in our lives, somebody ought to hear us say something. They ought to hear us say something. Her mute button was not engaged. And while her first question in the text Our words is a quest for information and meaning. The second word in the text is an affirmation of submission. You ought to watch how she moves from one point to the other. What begins with quest ends with rest. One day, Old Testament records, because we have a similar situation in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. Elisha was traveling through a town called Shunem. And there was a well-to-do woman there. This is what the text says. Who urged him to stay for a meal. So wherever he came by or whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know. And this is the point. This woman was fluent in spiritual things. She says, I know this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Because she was special. This Old Testament precedent to marry. She was special because she was able to discern spiritual things. Mary was special because she was fluent. She was able to function cognitively in the realm of the spirit. The other thing that makes Mary special in this text is she was focused. She was focused. When she moves to the point of resting her case, submitting to God, she says in this text, be it unto me. Mary is focus. Eugene Peterson says that the death of prayer is abstraction and generalization. But her prayer is focus. Is focused because she says, "Be it unto me." There's a time in our lives when we're faced with challenge and faced with difficulty when we move from they to me. Somebody might be at that focus this morning. When it, it's, not, it's not my mother. It's not my brother. It's not my sister. It's me. And Mary was special because she understood this was not about Elizabeth. This was not about Joseph. It was about her. And she said, be it unto what? Me. According to the word of the Lord. She was focused. She was focused on what God had for her. So you see it in the text. She was favored. She was fertile. She was fluent. She was focused. But one other thing, she was faithful. That's what makes Mary so special. She was faithful. She says, be it unto me according to thy word. Prior to the Making that statement, the angel reminded Mary that there's nothing too hard for God. That with God, 
all things. All things. I'm not making it up. It's in the text. With God, all things. Nothing shall be impossible. When you know God is able and that nothing is impossible for God, it would encourage your faithfulness. Mary said, now be it unto me according to thy word. See, this movement in the text alone let me know that she's fluent and focused because when she says word, I'm almost through. She uses a word that is not the normal word for word in the Greek. She doesn't use the word lagos, which is the word for the complete body of God's knowledge of truth. The comprehensive, compelling truth. It's the word that's used in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. She could have used that word, but it was another word. She uses the word rima. You, you look at it in the background. You, you see her using rima because this word, unlike lagos, is a particular word. This word is a personal word. When she used this word, it was a personal present here and now word. This word is a situational word. This, this word is a seasonal word. It's for what I need right now. She used a word for a right now blessing. And what she was saying is, Lord, I don't know how you're going to work out. You have to understand, Mary perhaps thought, what's Joseph's going to think? Will he really buy this story? Most brothers wouldn't buy that story. You engaged in me and you come up pregnant and you're going to tell me that an angel overshadowed? But Mary says, be it unto me according to your word. A seasonal word, a particular word, a punctual word. Be it unto me according. In other words, you're going to work this situation out. I'm faithful. I'll be faithful. I'll trust you with myself. She done asked about what you're going to do about Joseph, or what you're going to do about my reputation in the community. She says, bid unto me according to thy word. I'm going to be faithful. She had what John Francis Wade had when he wrote that great hymn, Oh, come all ye faithful. Oh, ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Come all ye faithful. Come to Bethlehem. Come and behold him. The one who's born, the king of kings. And part of what we need to do, a large part of what we need to do is we experience the specialness that Mary exudes in this text is that we need to come and adore him. Come and adore him. What makes her so special? She was favored. She was fertile. She was fluent. She was focused. And in the end, she said, be it unto me, according to thy word. Faithful is just being full of faith. She was full of a faith, and it was directed not to her fiancé, not to her husband-to-be, but it was directed to God, who was the master of her life. Are you going to be faithful, focused, favored, fluent, and fertile in these next few weeks for the Lord? He needs us to be that way. So
so much of Christmas, the commercializing of it, the marketing of it, moves us away from these centers. The church needs to represent the kind of faith that Mary exuded. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.